by God that existed before the world. They saw the entire world created. And yet when Christ ascended and goes to sit at the right hand of his father, we are told that these same angelic hosts are amazed and perplexed at what they saw. As Jesus entered once again into the heavenlies, they were amazed because they saw just how far God had gone to redeem his most precious creation, humanity. And there are many things, just like the angels, that we should be astounded about when we look upon the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't have time to even mention close to them all, but we'll take a stab at just a few that we too might be in amazement at what God has done on behalf of mankind. The first thought is this. When Jesus ascended, we are told that he led captives in his train. Captives, souls in his train as he ascended through the heavens. St. Paul speaks of this in his letter to the church of Ephesus in chapter 4. When he says, but to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity in his train and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Who are the captive that he is leading in his train? The fathers speak to this. They all tell us in unity that those in his train were those that he had rescued from Hades. That when he descended into Hades, at the moment he gave up willingly his spirit unto death. When he descended unto Hades, he preached his gospel to all of the souls who were there in Hades that they might be set free and experience his deliverance. And who are these souls? Remember, these are the souls Adam and Eve were there. And all the souls from Adam and Eve until that very moment of his death and descent into Hades, all of them were held captive there. And Christ goes there to preach his redemption and to offer them freedom from their long captivity. And when he ascends, he brings all of the souls that looked upon him and heard him and rejoiced at his offer. And he leads them all the way up through the heavenlies. And this is what the angelic hosts see coming. And they're amazed at what they saw. Our Eastern Rite brothers and sisters, they sing a hymn about this on this day. And I'll share with you the words of that hymn. It goes like this. As the angels, O Savior, wondered at thy elevation. And the disciples were amazed at thy dread rising. Thou didst ascend in glory, being God, and the gates were lifted up for thee. Wherefore the heavenly powers were surprised, shouting, Glory to thy condescension, O Savior. Glory to thy reign. Glory to thine ascension, O thou alone who art the lover of mankind. Last thing I just said, who are the lover of mankind, the angels sing, is really the point. What is the source of their amazement? The love of God for you. The love of God for me. How far Christ went to make a way back to the Father and 
unity with the Holy Trinity for us and the angels can't fathom that love themselves. It is a wonder. And it's this point that our Lord would have us focus on this evening. To take a look and just to see how far the love of God has gone when we look specifically at the ascension. How far the love of God has gone for your soul and, and for mine. Some of you, as I look around, were present a week ago yesterday, last Wednesday, last week, when we had noon mass for those, uh, for, excuse me, for the fourth Sunday after Easter. And you'll remember that in the gospel reading in that mass, Jesus tells his disciples that he is leaving them and they're filled with sadness. And so he offers them encouraging words. He tells them it is better for you. It is better for you that I leave you and go to the Father. And some of you will remember that I read a quote from one of the church fathers on this. And I told you it stuck with me all of that week. And I'm going to tell you tonight that it stuck with me every day since that. And I cannot shake it because of what it is showing me about how far our Lord has gone to save even my soul. And it comes from St. Cyril of Alexandria, Alexandria, patriarch in Egypt in the early AD 400s. And St. Cyril of Alexandria taught this. He said, by his ascension, Jesus places us in the sight of the Father. I'm going to read that part once again. because We're going to really look at this. By his ascension, Jesus places us in the sight of the Father. Father, by departing into heaven as the first fruits of humanity. For he ascended to heaven as our forerunner, as the inspired Paul also says. There, as man, he is truly the high priest of our souls, our comforter, and the coverer of all our sins. And as God the Lord, by his nature, Jesus sits on his own Father's throne. And this glory is reflected even on us. Our Lord Jesus Christ, by his ascension, places us, our humanity, each individual and the whole, places us right in the sight of the Father. How? This is the Lord Jesus Christ who took fully the flesh of fallen humanity into himself and joined it to his divinity. But when he took on his, our humanity, understand the depth and the reality of what the experience of God, what the experience of the word of God became on this earth. All his days, the word of God, because he took on fallen flesh, would experience every one of our temptations with the absolute strength that you and I have to face and with the difficulty that you and I have to face them. He, there is no temptation known to man that he doesn't fully understand because he experienced them in our flesh. Which means he experienced our dysfunctions. He experienced our lack of health. And he experienced all of it. And yet because he was united with the Father, it never turned into actions of sin. So he overcame those things, but he experienced all of them nonetheless. And it's interesting that St. Cyril of Alexandria points out, just as St. Paul does in Hebrews, 
that this Lord Jesus Christ, when he ascended, it is in his humanity that he stands in front of the Father as our great high priest. That's a critical statement. Why does St. Cyril say in his humanity Christ stands before the Father as our great high priest? What was the role of the high priest in the Old Covenant on the Day of Atonement? A human who experienced both temptation and in the Old Testament that human experienced sin. Would take the blood of the sacrifice and go into the Holy of Holies and plead the mercy of God on himself and on his family and then on the people of God. Someone who knows the struggle with temptation would spread the blood of the sacrifice onto the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat, and plead the mercy of God. And so our Lord Jesus Christ, having engaged our humanity to the full and experienced all of this lack of health and dysfunction and, and temptation within himself, he is our great high priest, stands before the Father in like manner for you. And for me, how does this play out? Because this is not theological. Theological is never impractical. Never believe that. Theology is the revealed truth of the salvation of Christ, specifically for the reality of the believer. That's theology. So theology is very real in this case. And I want to show you how Christ is our great high priest because he ascended to the Father, bringing our flesh eternally with him. And standing before the Father for eternity in flesh joined to the divine. Let me show you how this plays out. I did a lot of reading with the fathers as well as the Holy Scriptures on this these last couple of weeks. I want to paint a picture for you. Very practical for your own life. So that you see the ministry of Jesus Christ. What he's always doing for us. And available to do for us. Out of his love for us. So let's do a little exercise. Join me in something. I want you to think for just a moment about a continuing besetting sin or weakness in your life. Every one of us has them, and we're going to probably come up with it pretty quick. Think about a continuing besetting sin, something that you know by the Holy Spirit's revelation in your life is something that is really harmful to you. And every time you engage it and engage those temptations, give in to them, and then do the very actions of sin, the burden of your conscience comes on like waves. And it really snuffs the life out of you. So have that in your mind. And now picture yourself burdened in conscience with this. Going before the Father. Because Christ has placed you there. Going before the Father. Agreeing with the Father, Lord, you are right. As Isaiah would say, I'm a man of unclean lips. Whatever it happens to be, Lord, you're right about me. This is sin. This is dysfunction. It is not my true person as you've created me to be. And I'm worn out because of this. And we pray that beautiful prayer, the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And now picture Christ who is seated at the right hand of the Father in glory. Having ascended, bringing our humanity with his divinity before the Father seated there. And he stands up now. And he takes his place in between you and the Father. Or do you not remember that we proclaim every Mass that he's our mediator and advocate? He stands in the gap between your fallen humanity and the Father. 
And here's what he does. He says to the father, I know the temptation that this, my beloved child, has dealt with. Because I experienced it. I know what he's had to deal with. And I know that he sinned because, or she sinned because of this temptation. I have been there. I have wrestled. And yes, I didn't sin because I was one with you. But I know the struggle. And then as your great high priest, who once and for all, as St. Paul said, took his own blood, not the blood of bulls, not the blood of calves, but took his own blood and presented it to the Father once and for all for the covering of your sins. And he says, Lord, remember our mercy. Remember our mercy over this, your beloved, who is damaged in conscience and in need of healing. And what does the Father do? He covers our sins with the blood of Christ because of Christ again and again. And then it goes further. Then our Lord Jesus Christ says to the Father, Father, I remain sinless only because you and I were one. Because I was joined to you and even though I took on the humanity, I never lost the divinity. Therefore, I had everything that I needed to overcome sin again and again. This one, now joined to you, give this one your precious child grace, the same grace, the same power that comes from unity with you through me. Grant it to them so that they may overcome the world as I overcame the world. And the father listens to the plea of your mediator and your advocate. And he responds by giving grace to overcome sin and to trample on the head of the serpent all of your days. This is the ministry of love of the Lord Jesus Christ because he ascended and took so fully our humanity within himself. And he presents it all the time before the Father on your behalf, which is why St. Paul proclaims in Hebrews 4 these words. And see if you don't see the entire picture that I just painted in St. Paul's words. St. Paul writes, Seeing then as we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, that is, he ascended, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. My prayer for you, and you pray for me, is that I grow and you grow to be astounded like the angels that the love of God is on display here. And the love of God is constantly demonstrating itself for us time and time again as your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, stands in the gap between you and the Father pleading mercy and offering grace. Because he ascended. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.